0: G'day there, and welcome back to Convergently Speaking. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is why we talk past each other in romance and friendships. Full disclosure, I'm not. Totally sure how I'm going to tackle what I see as a bunch of moving parts in this subject matter. In a typical introverted, intuitive fashion, I see I have like this string of ideas and thoughts that all feel inherently connected and I feel like I have to share them all. So if I could label the whole area that I've been digging down in and thinking about for some time, I would sum that up as sense-making or how we make good sense of the world. And the piece of this puzzle that I'm wanting to focus on today is, is the way in which our different ways of making sense or ways of interpreting the things that we see around us Uh, Differ from one another, and how this impacts on our romantic relationships and our friendships. Why do we talk past each other? In my work with couples uh, and in my personal life, both family and friends, the thing I see time and time again behind conflicts and issues, rather than bad intent, I usually see misunderstanding. And often, If there is bad intent, it's come on the heels of weeks, months, years of misunderstanding and then a build-up of resentment based on misunderstanding. And then at that point, the kind of vindictive or intentionally harmful behaviour starts to emerge. So when we think about sense-making, I think we need to first acknowledge that As humans, we have limited capacity to consider or to take in and consider all the data on an issue. Apart from the fact that we're kind of, I think, unredeemably emotionally driven, so our emotions always impact on our sense-making, our brains just can't simply hold everything in mind and 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 weight everything appropriately simultaneously aka we have biases so if we start with the premise that we all come with certain biases we're able to acknowledge right off the bat that I don't think any of us are objectively brilliant at making sense we all have big gaps or big blind spots in our Software and mechanisms for making sense of what is happening. Actually, I had a friend ask me yesterday what I made of the situation in America at the moment, and I just looked at him and said, "I don't know." And I was surprised at um, how refreshing he found that. He said, "Oh gosh, that's the most honest answer I've had," or something to that effect. That was a hard one answer. I spent lots of time and energy and. I don't know. I'm not sure. And I think this gets to the heart of like the first layer that I want to speak to here, which is realizing that none of us have the perfect machinery to make sense of the world and make sense of others. Uh, you might be good at this, well, I'm good at that, and none of us are good at some other third or fourth thing. But in terms of sense-making and in terms of misunderstanding each other, the node in the system I've seen time and time again as most reliable for people talking past one another is uh, from within the Myers-Briggs framing, the sensor versus intuitive split. Uh, I read somewhere, and I can't remember now, but years back, a comment that in a couple, the biggest difference that that couple can have is one being a sensor and the other being an intuitive. And my real world lived experience working with couples and just living in my daily life is that this is true. I've, I've I've seen this time and time again. Now, if you don't know the difference between sensing or a sensor and an intuitive, maybe it would be easiest to go back to my earlier episode where I talk about the difference between Senses and Intuitives in Relationships, where I explain some of the challenges and, and do a bit of an intro and overview on what those two personality temperaments mean. Uh, but for the sake of this podcast, I'm just going to go forward with the assumption that you have a you know, a basic understanding of this. For me, what I've found to be possibly the most clarifying of what is going on here in the difference in how senses versus intuitives go about uh, interpreting or just simply understanding a topic is the fact that for intuitives, when they first come across, uh, maybe it's a task or maybe it's a a topic or maybe it's some philosophical idea, they want to start with the headlines. They want to start with the big picture. I'll give you an example from my own life. I could never understand when I was younger when I'd start a new job and on the first day when I'd be getting the induction of, you know, how to complete different tasks and and the procedures by which the company required me to to complete those tasks, etc. I could never understand why if I wasn't given the big picture first, I found myself scrambling and easily overwhelmed. Something along the lines of the person that's training me saying, okay, today we have six hours of induction. Uh, We're going to have lunch at this time. Um, We're going to do a bit of group work. We're going to focus on these types of areas. Uh, We're not going to worry about this other stuff today and by the end, you should be able to do A, B, C and D. Or by the end, you should know 80% of what you need to know to be able to do your job sufficiently and then transitioning into, say, the first module or the first point uh, for for the day's training. However, now that I understand that I'm intuitive, I understand that this is the way that my brain uh, naturally prefers to function. I, I like to go big. I like to get the broad overview. I like to get a feel for what I generally think is happening, what I generally think the meaning of something is, and then, and only then can I start to dig down, whereas Whereas for a sensor, it's essentially the opposite. And the way I now visualize it, and, and I'm not a sensor, and so I'm not claiming this is the best metaphor, um, but the way that I've started to visualize it is it's essentially like bricks in a wall or or, or Lego or something like that, where each brick or each block represents one piece of data, one piece of information. And for the sensor, what they prefer to do, what their, their brain's default operating system is, to accumulate lots of individual pieces of data, um, quite specific and quite uh, evidence-based, provable, known or tangible pieces of data, or facts, let's just call them facts, and to get a bunch of little facts, a bunch of little data, and build them all together to eventually build them up to a larger idea. So this probably isn't a technically accurate way to to frame this, but, but bear with me. The way I now think about it, or the way I now visualize it, is I kind of think of it like an inverted triangle. And us intuitives start from the the broad at the top of the triangle, the big, wide, broad ideas, and slowly start to narrow down, uh, whereas the sensors start at the bottom with one piece of data and build up, build up, build up to get bigger and broader and wider. And and, and maybe truth, I know it's a logical fallacy to, to assume that truth is always somewhere in the middle, uh, but if we assume that we're both biased to being too extreme at each impulse, either too much stuck in the details or too much stuck in the big picture, uh, then I think it's a fair assumption that often truth lies somewhere in the middle. And so, for example, I have a good friend who is a sensor, and we've had a few conversations lately where... As we've gone backwards and forwards, it becomes clear that we are residing in a similar space in the middle of, let's say, this triangle. We are residing in a similar position, a similar belief, and we got to our views from an entirely different process. So I started big and worked hard to get to smaller because that's not my skill, Uh, and he started small. And worked hard to get to bigger because, you know, he's not as skilled at the big picture. He's more skilled at the the smaller details. And so all that convoluted explanation, and I hope you're following me here, leads me to the, the, the comment and the conclusion that I don't believe that either the intuitive or the sensing process is superior. And I also believe that both thrive in certain contexts. There's context where using a more sensor approach to understand things uh, is a little bit more useful or accurate, and there's there's approaches where the big picture and having to make a few leaps of faith and a few jumps to try and get to the bottom of things uh, without all the specific factual sensory data is the better approach or the more utilitarian approach but obviously the best approach is a combination you have someone who's uh highly developed in the sensor aspect someone who's highly developed in the intuitive aspect and if you look at the other pieces of of myers briggs personality types um, and if you go a layer or two deeper you can also look at other aspects of Myers-Briggs personality type so you get the intuitives that are feelers or the senses that are thinkers or the senses that are feelers and, and so on and so forth. So why do we talk past each other? Well, I think we fundamentally talk past each other often because we're starting from different positions. If you yourself are a sensor and your partner's an intuitive and you come and you look at say, making plans for going on a family holiday. The intuitive is by nature going to want to go with the big brushstrokes. They're going to say, well, we want to have a really great and fun time. Uh, to do that, we probably want to go to a place with warm climate, um, that's comfortable, that's, you know, a few, a few big brushstrokes of, of what they value or what they think is important. Uh, Whereas the sensor may not come from that place at all, they may be saying, all right, how much money do we have? When do we want to leave for this holiday? Uh, Do we have enough leave to take from our jobs? Um, How much do we actually need to save per fortnight, per week, to be able to afford to take this time off? Can we actually afford a destination that has a nice warm climate um, or should we maybe travel in winter when the accommodation is going to be a bit cheaper? And so they're likely to start with the, the smaller details first uh, and then build up. And so, of course, as both parties engage and are maybe excited about this holiday, very quickly misunderstandings can occur uh, and very quickly tensions can arise where both parties are focusing and emphasising different things. Um, even if they maybe have the same shared goal uh, to go on an enjoyable family holiday. So I hear you asking, well, that's all well and good, but, but what can be done? The short answer is there's a lot that can be done. But I think one of the highest leverage things on this subject matter is understanding and acceptance, uh, which I think comes from understanding. Once you start to understand that the intuitive that has all these big picture, lofty ideas, isn't irresponsible because they're ignoring the day-to-day practicalities, or or the sensor that's stuck in the in the details isn't a killjoy because they're all wrapped up in in the budget and the specifics. Rather, they are operating in the way that their brain is set up and has been trained to do. As I said on another episode, there's always a cost of specialization. If you've developed your abilities as a sensor, you you by nature have not developed your your intuitive sensibilities and and vice versa. Now, there are people that have developed both, uh, but we always still have a, a bias, a default in the way in which we look at and interpret things. So I think understanding and then acceptance uh, are important and then that naturally leads on to empathy. And hopefully as well, the understanding leads on to being able to think more strategically. So rather than being annoyed and wanting to criticize our our partner or our friend uh, or our work colleague, starting to actually see the strengths in the way in which they're different. And I think that this also begins with seeing our own weaknesses, being aware of our own biases, being aware, say, for myself, that I can be caught up in big lofty ideas and, uh, and tend to neglect some of the, uh, the practical but really, really important details of whatever the domain I'm interacting with is. So once we see our weaknesses... Then we can start to actually see hey, this person that annoys me, or this person that I've been having a conflict with, or this person that I feel is constantly misunderstanding me, she has good reason for this. There's actually a really concrete explanation for what's happening. Uh, their brain works differently, they have a different skill set. Uh, and then I think it's on us to sort of work to see the good. To understand the good that they can they can bring, um, because the bad's usually quite obvious and we, we're easily we can easily focus on that. And then start to incorporate into our assessment the positives that this person can bring, whilst incorporating our knowledge of their weaknesses uh, and doing our best to, to fill in those gaps. So I suppose going right back to where I began with this podcast, my my real belief and where I've come to at this point is that most misunderstandings, most conflict, even conflict that is really quite severe and, and has escalated stems from misunderstandings, fundamentally misunderstanding why people do what they do, why they believe what they believe and more pertinently the, the very process that they go through to come to their conclusions. And I want to propose that if you look at someone and you go to for interpreting what they're up to is that they're stupid or that they are immoral and evil or that they have some other defect or bad intent, I want to propose that you probably actually don't understand what's happening for them and the way in which they see the world. So that's it for today. I hope this has been insightful to to add another layer to your understanding of um, why we as humans tend to talk past each other and what we can do to start to minimise these misunderstandings and instead use them for good Have a good day and I'll talk to you next time on Convergently Speaking.